0: Hello everybody and welcome to a new episode of my K-drama podcast. Um just before I get started with this week's episode, which I am super super excited to present to you guys. I do have a little bit of news. It's a little bit sad. Um I am going to be going on hiatus from the podcast for a little while. Um I'm not sure how long, but um yeah, this is so this is <laughs> this is the last episode for a little while. I'm going to take a bit of a longer break than I normally do. Um and nothing wrong absolutely nothing wrong just as you can probably imagine life gets hectic I've um, this is sort of a side hobby for me and just have a lot of other things going on that I kind of need to concentrate on at the moment Um, and I guess I just want to say a huge thank you and also that you know I guess the K-drama community that I have discovered because of this podcast has just utterly changed my life. So thank you, everybody who has ever listened to this podcast. Thank you so much to those who have been following along for quite a while. And thank you so much to those people who support the show on Patreon and everyone who I've chatted with. Um, It's just been amazing connecting with K-drama lovers in the way that I have. Like when I began this podcast, I did not know another real life person who cared about K-drama at all. And the journey that I've been on over the last few years, or couple years, I don't know how long I've had this, at least two years, if not longer, um, has just been incredible. It has been amazing. I have made so many incredible K drama friends, and I have chatted with so many wonderful listeners about dramas. Um, and I just want to say thank you so, so much to anyone who has ever listened to the show or sent me a message or, um, supported the show on Patreon or chatted with me, everything. Thank you guys so very much. Um, it's really been very, very incredible for me and I am so sad. Like it's been a really hard decision to make just to take a longer break. Um, but I just think it's something that I need to do just for myself at the moment. Um, and yeah, I'm sure, you know, I'll be watching some K-drama in the future and it'll spark a big old rant in me. And then, you know, maybe I'll pop back up at that point. Um, But at the moment, I'm just leaving things open um, to see where, when, when the right time is for me. Uh, So anyway, that's the news. So this is the last episode for a while. Um, But what a last episode I have to show you guys. I'm so excited about this one. Um, So this episode is a guest gabble. And for those people who maybe are new to the show and don't know, a guest gabble is when I invite very, very lovely K-Drama podcast listeners from Patreon onto the show. Um, We pick a kind of a theme, a topic, um, which one of my lovely listeners picked. Uh, this time. And then we, you know, well, they they send in recordings and basically we all have a big old rant about the topic. Um, This week is kind of exciting with the guest gabbles. So um, I've had some people, which I don't know why I didn't think of this before. I'm so upset. I should have thought of about this before. But um, so some of the lovely listeners have actually sent in a um, written kind of commentary around the theme. And I've read that out. I wish I'd thought to do that a lot earlier. I feel like it would have made um, kind of getting involved in this a lot more accessible for a lot more people. So that's very sad. I wish I'd thought of that. Um, but, you know, now, now it's happening <laughs> at least. Um, and so today... Uh, very special guests that I have. I just want to say a huge thank you to for getting involved with this episode and helping me put this one together. So, special guests are Varney, Dee, Catherine, Lorna, Lizzie, and Delaney. Thank you guys so much uh, for being my special guests on this week's episode and the topic that all of um, these lovely, lovely listeners are going to be. And let me tell you, it gets ranty, which I love. I love a bit of ranty K-drama ranting. Um, but it is a very ranty topic that um, has been picked for this this guest gabble. And the topic is basically, what is a K-drama or many K-dramas that you have watched with an ending so s- stupid, bad or frustrating or, you know, against your personal taste that it made you kind of wish that you'd never watched the K-drama at all. Because of that. Well, I explained that in a really bad way. Um, But basically, we're talking about endings that were unsatisfying or, you know, totally shit, (laughs) basically. Um, But of course, that does mean that this episode is filled with spoilers. So many spoilers. Um, Because we're talking about K drama endings and a lot of ranting about that topic. Um, So everyone does give really great spoiler warnings about what shows they're going to be talking about um, at the beginning of like their recording or their written section. Um, So if you're listening along to this and you hear them mention a drama that you're just like, nah, I don't want that spoiled. I don't want to know what the ending of of this one is. um, Then you can kind of skip that section. Uh, So I think everyone's been pretty clear with what they're going to be spoiling. Um, But I guess the idea is is like, you know, if if you don't mind a bit of a spoiler, it's kind of some warnings for some endings that have frustrated a lot of people. So I really, really enjoyed listening to everyone's um, entries for this week. It was so much fun for me. Um, All right. So I think that's it for me at the start on this intro section. Um, Thanks again, everyone, for tuning in this week and tuning in always. I'm so appreciative. Um, I love you guys. Thank you. Um, And all right, let's get on. with this K-drama show and let's get stuck into my very special guests uh, talking about K-dramas with stupid endings. (laughs) Let's go!
1: Hello everyone, my name is Vani and I love Evie's K-drama podcast. I am talking about the topic of ranty endings And I want to begin by saying I'm a massive rewatcher. And the two shows I'm going to rant about and spoil now are both shows that I can't rewatch. And that makes me really sad because I comfort watch shows just the way I comfort reread books all the time. So I do regret investing my energy in both of these. They're both relatively recent One is called 2521, which I keep calling 2125 by mistake, so just ignore me if that happens. And the other one is called Yumi Cells. I'll start the spoiler right now by saying in both these two shows, the main couples break up. And I hate it because it makes me feel I wasted almost 40 hours of my life in total on the two shows. That's a lot of hours. Oh, and I'm probably also going to spoil a bit of Reply 1997 and Record of Youth along the way, because I'm going to mention those shows in comparison, I think. So I'm finally recording this now, right up to the deadline that Evie had suggested for everyone, because it's finally been several weeks since the finale of Twenty Five Twenty One, and I think I've finally processed my feelings enough and started to get a bit of distance from it, But like I said before, I can't even re-watch the show now. And now the more distant I get from the show, the less I love it. And predominantly that's because of its ending. So another thing I have to mention is that I always hate the false separation trope of a couple in, you know, the final one or two episodes of a series. A lot of shows do this. And if a couple gets together early in a K-drama you know you have an arbitrary or a painful breakup coming. Sometimes the male league goes to America. That happens quite commonly. You know, often, like, there was a show where someone was, like, looking after their sick father for a few episodes and it just seemed really unnecessary. But this happened in the first batch of dramas I ever watched and I didn't understand it was a pattern or why until I think it was Evie who mentioned it on her podcast as an aside. And I actually do value the reasoning behind that if that's the case. So I think the explanation was something like these separation tropes or twists in the dramas are in some ways an allegory to represent the rift between North and South Korea and the disconnection that Koreans might feel. And so it represents a kind of a division or a loss. And that seemed really, you know, that spoke to me so much. My family is from India, and I think most Indians and maybe Pakistani people too, though I can't speak for them. We carry the trauma of partition with us. For those who don't know, when the British left India following independence, they created this hideous dividing line and created the new country of Pakistan on the supposed basis of religion, but actually as part of their own colonial policy of divide and conquer. And they left us with a legacy of religious violence that still continues to this day. And I know a lot of Indian novels in particular deal with this transgenerational trauma of firstly having been colonised by the British and all the bad things that happened then, but also this division we have that's fraught and emotional. So I get it, k drama land completely. And I always remind myself of that possible allegory explanation when a couple breaks up because then it doesn't feel so annoying or arbitrary. If it's done well, the break won't seem arbitrary, but it can make you wonder if the couple should actually even be together, especially if they say horrible things in the breakup or do horrible things to each other. On the other hand, if they break up for no big reason, it can feel really contrived or unconvincing, and I think that's what happened with Twenty Five Twenty One. It was a beautiful show. The characters were beautiful, The way it was filmed was beautiful, even though I hated the flashing forward. I actually didn't want any of the future scenes except for this one scene where the daughter is yelling at both the past characters and I thought that was hilarious. But I just don't buy the ending. I don't buy the breakup. I don't buy how these excellent characters who were so thoughtful and so caring towards each other and every human that they ever came across – They could not communicate and not deal with basically the trouble of being in a long distance relationship, even when another couple in the same show did it. And I don't understand why we were supposed to care about a couple for 16 episodes and then find out that it was first love, but not true love. And we don't even know who they end up with or why their future partner is a better match for them. And I just don't buy that they could have cared so much for each other when they were young and not tried in some way to stay connected when they were older. The show clearly depicts that they still care for each other, but they are no longer friends, they don't hang out. You know, he congratulates her for her wedding on air. Sorry, you can hear me ranting, but that's what this guest gabble is about. So (laughs) really, I just don't believe that that would be the right ending for these characters or this story. I can see that the writers of the show were trying to present a particular worldview and some people on Reddit and Twitter were saying it was a realistic ending but actually that ending doesn't match the rest of the show. Like they show these characters being so caring and sweet and so thoughtful and you can definitely have people who like that in your life who come and go but if this couple is an end game then those meaningful moments all of those special things that they said and did for each other actually become less meaningful which i don't think that the writers would have intended so as i said at the beginning i'm a massive rewatcher and i tried so hard in the brutal couple of weeks after the finale to go back and rewatch up to the very last point before I sort of stopped liking the show's direction, you know, to watch all the good bits of the drama. But the thing is the drama is good for most of it. There's only a few story elements that don't make sense, I really loved the resolution to the main character's relationship with her mother and her friends and the enemies to friendship story that she had with her idol fencer. And I loved how well-rounded the secondary storyline of the male's lead and his search for meaning and sense of responsibility all was. I could understand that he's a really responsible person and also a depressed person. And I'm so glad that Nahido recommended therapy to him at the end but we don't get to see Becky Jin getting therapy or getting help or having support. And I found it hard to believe that he was any happier at the end of the drama than he had been at the beginning. And that made me so sad because you really, there were so many times in the show where I was moved to tears with how sad he was and how kind he was and how much they cared for each other basically. I could talk more about what I loved in the show, but this is really about endings. Um, Another thing I want to say, though, related to the ending is that unless I missed something tonally, there was a sense of bittersweetness in the show, but it was generally quite funny. So I was completely caught off guard by the tragicness of the ending. Record of Youth, by the way, had a really weird ending which kind of reminded me of 2521. Like, there was no real reason they couldn't be together, just a lot of silent looks from the protagonist and not talking to each other and not working through their problems in a real way like human beings would. But then they had this random meeting at the very end that I think implied they'll get back together. I didn't really get it, I thought it was weird, but I only wish that 2521 had done something like that. And I still, you know, I was thinking of like conspiracy theories on Reddit and I'm going to tell you my perfect fanfic ending for this show would be that they actually maybe did break up but then they got back together because they realised they were in love and I kept waiting for this to happen on the show in real life actually. But then when he congratulates her on air in episode 14 for her wedding, it's actually that they have gotten married to each other but they had to keep it a secret because she was still a celebrity athlete and he was taking over as an anchor on her mother's show. And here's where my fanfic falls apart because somehow they had to give their daughter a different surname to protect her privacy. I think I've worn myself out now. But the second show ending that I want to tell you about is Yumi's Cells, which was such a hit when it came out and was one of the few K-dramas I was watching as it aired. I was genuinely obsessed with it and I would be rechecking Vicky every few seconds in the middle of the night waiting for the next scene's translations to be up. But at the end of what we know now is season one, Yumi and her boyfriend break up. I know it's based on a webtoon and maybe the creators had a plan that was related to that. I don't know. I love strong female characters and I like these affirming narratives about independent women making their independent way through life and choosing themselves. But I really don't watch K-dramas to not see a couple be the one true pairing or end game. I don't want to see just a medium normal relationship unless I get to see the real true love relationship and how it's better than the basic one, which perhaps Yumi season two will do. But I was so let down by the end of season one that I'm probably not going to watch season two, which makes me sad again, especially as I actually love the actor who they've set up as her new love interest. Hello,
0: everybody. This is Evie. I am here to read out uh, an entry, a submission, some writing, uh, thoughts, and a rant (laughs) um, by a very lovely listener of the podcast, Dee. So Dee has sent uh, just a written out stuff about their thoughts, and I'm going to read it out now. And there's even a spoiler warning at the start. All right. So Dee says, oh, and I should also say, Thank you so much, D, for sending this in. I really, really appreciate it. All right, I'm going to read it now. So D says, the dramas that are about to be spoiled are Meow, The Secret Boy. <laughs> what a title. Are You Human Too? Also, pretty funny title. Memories of the Alhambra and also My Hollow Love. All right, those are going to get spoiled. And now here we go. My biggest pet peeve in romantic K-dramas is when the female lead ends up in a romantic relationship (laughs) with a cat, robot, virtual avatar, or any other type of non-human with whom it would be impossible to have even a semi-realistic healthy relationship. (laughs) Sorry, I'm laughing so much because... This is after my own heart, and I felt very alone about these thoughts because I feel like I'm the only one who has this intensely weird issue with this very specific thing. So thank you, D. I feel less alone. All right, so I'm going to keep reading. D says, in my early days with K-dramas, I hadn't sufficiently braced myself for the possibility <laughs> that these kinds of bonkers endings were even possible. So they were pretty shocking to me when I first encountered them. The first K-drama love triangle between a woman, <laughs> a human man, and a non-human that I watched was My Hollow Love. Sorry, guys, I'm really laughing now. I find this very funny. <laughs> okay, stop. I'm stuck. At the time, I thought the drama was mediocre at best, but now I look back upon it with fondness because at least the female lead ended up choosing to have a romantic relationship with a human man instead of with his hologram. <laughs> <laughs> um, sorry. I assumed the other romantic fantasy K-dramas I tried would have similar conclusions, but alas, it turns out I was wrong to be so optimistic. Although I am a fan of So Kung Jun, me too, the male lead in Are You Human Too, and enjoyed parts of the early episodes of that drama, its ending was too much for me. <laughs> the last episode concluded with the female lead mournfully hugging a toy robot on a beach, only to be surprised to encounter her robot love, who unbeknownst to her had been dredged up from the bottom of the sea with the help of his wealthy human doppelganger. <laughs> Because the human had, without much explanation, suddenly become less evil and more benevolent after having gone on a vacation. (laughs) The power of vacations. The drama ended with the female lead and her robot love hugging on the beach. They never discussed whether he was even capable of doing more physically with her beyond holding her hand, hugging her and kissing her. They never discussed what they would do if she wanted children, nor did they discuss most of the other practical challenges they might encounter when trying to have a long-term romantic relationship in light of the fact that, and this next section is all in caps, he was a robot. (laughs) I'm laughing so much. I'm crying now. I don't know how I'm going to read the next section. Oh, this is very after my own heart. I have all these same, same issues. All right. So D continues. Next drama. I thought the ending of Are You Human 2 had to be a fluke, so I ignorantly jumped into Meow the Secret Boy. (laughs) Even that title just makes me laugh. Sorry, guys, I'm, like, going into giggles now. I've got to calm down. So she jumped in, uh, D, sorry, jumped into Meow the Secret Boy, in which it turned out that the female lead was in a love triangle with a cat who temporarily could sometimes turn into a human-looking man. (laughs) A human-looking man. (laughs) And a great human man who loved her. Oh, sorry, I just, I, I'll read that again because I didn't make it make sense. So D jumped into Meow the Secret Boy, in which it turned out that the female lead was in a love triangle with a cat who temporarily could sometimes turn into a human looking man. And also in a love triangle, the other pointy end of the love triangle, is with a great human man who loved her. She ended up choosing to be in a romantic relationship with the cat instead of the human man, and she decided that she would stay true to the cat, even though she was told that he would stop being able to turn into a human and would be stuck in cat form. <laughs> there was a scene in which the two males were standing next to each other, and the female lead ran to hug the cat instead of the human man. <laughs> The ending was slightly redeemed by the fact that the human man said he would wait around for the female lead in case she became interested in him after the cat died. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. But what kind of a relationship could that be? Even if it did happen, he would always know she loved a cat romantically. (laughs) More than she loved him romantically. (laughs) Oh my gosh, sorry. <laughs> oh, I really need to calm down. Okay, sorry guys, sorry guys. I have been so interested in what Meow the Secret Boy <laughs> was about because... Um, you know, it's just such a funny title. Like, it's such a hilarious title for a drama that I've always been very intrigued about what the plot is for this drama. And so now I'm laughing so much that I'm crying because I didn't know that's how it Oh, I need to take a break. All right, this is Evie come back after I've, I don't know, I've just been sitting here taking some deep breaths, so hopefully I can get through to the end of this. (laughs) That really made me laugh. Okay, so Dee continues to talk about Meow the Secret Boy. I want to be clear. My dislike of this drama's ending is not based on a general dislike of cats. I consider myself a cat lover, but unlike the female lead in this drama, not in the romantic sense. Wow, thanks for clearing that up, Dee. (laughs) Oh, okay. Okay. So the endings to those two dramas were so ridiculously bad that as distressed as they left me, I also found them to be hilarious. I couldn't believe I had actually watched dramas that were that bad. If I had known what I was in for, I definitely wouldn't have started them. After those two dramas, I was more careful about what I started, but somehow memories of the Alhambra managed to get past my guardrails. My heart sank when I realized that the romantic male lead in that drama was going to end up as an avatar in a virtual game, while his love interest remained human. It was such a shame that it had a disappointing ending as the cast settings and special effects in the drama had been promising. And that brings me to the end of Dee's very hilarious to me personally um, rant about dramas so much after my own heart, um, in those opinions, um, delved into in that. And also I'm really sorry guys that I devolved into mad giggles and laughter. You know, that thing when you just start laughing and then you can't stop. And then like, even when it's not funny anymore, you just like, you're gone. There's nothing you can do. So anyway, I'm, I'm feeling better now. Um, and also thank you so much D for sending that in. Um, <laughs> I loved it. <laughs>
2: Hi, Evie. Hi, everybody. Um, <laughs> so I struggled with this topic because um, even though I've watched some K-dramas that I don't love, I, I haven't watched any yet that I'm like, I wish I had never begun. You hurt me so bad. I wish that I hadn't even started. However... um. <laughs> There is one K-drama ending that really did me in. Um, and honestly, I'll be surprised if I'm the only one who mentions this show. Of course, it's Moon Lovers, Scarlet Heart Row. I think that's how you say the last word. Um, starring IU and Lee Gi, Kang han is also in there. And freaking everybody who's anybody like if you're especially if you're a male k-drama actor like who are you if you weren't in this show because it yeah it's everyone um I was so excited to start this show um particularly because I love the trope of like darkness and light and of course I'd seen that iconic picture of Lee Gi dressed all in black holding like like sheltering IU and are all white. And I was like, this is my jam. I am here for it. Um, it was the only K-drama that I, you know, maybe, maybe found through nefarious ways. Let's just say there were a lot of pop-ups. My computer got a little bit slower after, but I really wanted to watch it. I was so excited about it. Um, and it's great. It is so, Oh, the characters are complicated and dynamic, and there's so many arcs, and it really is a grand story. It it takes you places. The characters all go on a journey. Um, so, listen, I'm not going to say that I didn't want to watch, or that I, I'm sad that I watched it, but oh my god. So, spoilers from here on out, by the way, uh, if you're going to watch it, which you should, huh, even though it is heartbreaking. Um, basically the show ends with the last couple episodes. Things just get really complicated between our two leads, IU and Eun Gi. And, um, they basically separate. They like have a kid. I think they're separated. She has to marry another guy, I think and there's just all of these complications that come from stupid pride and not wanting to just have a conversation. And to their credit, not in the normal like not in the normal annoying miscommunication trope K-drama way. It's this is at this point this is character based. Like I felt it was justified and made sense character-wise. It doesn't mean it was any less sad. So, okay. We are getting to the last episode, the last episode, um, you think that they're going to reconcile. I, I. This has been like two years now, so I think this is what happens. You think like, oh my god, I hope that they reconcile because she is getting sick. IU is not looking good, and this king, who we've loved the whole time, is just retreating back into his bad habits that are just self-protection. Ugh. I also need to point out, it's like June or July, 2020. And I have been (laughs) stuck in my little one-bedroom bungalow with my husband for like three or four months at this point. So mental health is not great. Feeling trapped. My husband thinks it's a great idea at this point to start watching this show called Waco, which is all about people trapped in a compound. So because we live in a one-bedroom, I'm watching Scarlet Heart Row on my laptop um, while he is watching Waco on the TV. And I've got, like, my headphones in, but I can kind of see what's happening in this other show. And it's deeply stressful and triggering considering what we were going through. I don't know why he was freaking watching it. But I'm also watching the end of Scarlet Heart Row, which is so deeply sad And so I'm just sitting there in tears, just completely emotionally overwhelmed by everything that is happening. So some of this is not even Moon Lover's fault. It is just the fact that I was watching this deeply sad ending um, while also kind of being impacted by that Waco show in the middle of a pandemic. So just have to make, make sure everybody knows that that's the situation. Basically, at the end, IU dies and goes back to her time because there's a time travel element. She's in her old life um and she remembers everything at the very last minute when she sees a painting of him and falls to her knees crying cuz she realizes that like they she can never go back to him and that he lived a life, and now she's just stuck in the future again. And that's the ending. Now, one thing that makes me feel a little bit better is the fact that IU posted a, a picture, I guess, a few years ago, of that final frame of her looking at the, um, what do you call it? The, the painting, looking at the painting of him crying. And I guess there's a, um, a hand with a handkerchief, in the corner, and Ijin Gi confirmed that they did film a separate ending or an extended ending where his present self version, I guess he's like in another, um, oh my gosh, what is it? He's like, <laughs> everyone's gonna be like, it's this word, Catherine. Um, basically, it's him in the future handing her a handkerchief and they're reunited. So that makes me feel a little better, but oh my god, that was so stressful and so sad and I mean yeah it took real guts for the director and writer to end it like that because that was really heartbreaking okay end rant thank you so much Evie uh for having me thanks everyone for listening um go watch the show but oh my god don't watch don't have another stressful show going on in the same room at the same time because it's a lot. Okay, love everybody. Bye. Oh, and I forgot. My name is Katherine Born Taylor. Um and if anyone wants to talk K-dramas with me, you can find me on Instagram at Katherine Born Taylor.
0: Okay, bye. Alrighty. So this is Evie again. Um, I'm here to read out another entry from the very lovely listener, Lorna. Uh, thank you so much Lorna for sending this through. Um, I had a lot of fun reading it, so, um, I'm going to read it again now, but for you guys this time. Um, so Lorna has said that she does kind of steer clear of like fully, fully, spoiling the endings of these shows that she talks about. Um, But she does give like a sense of the mood to expect, I guess. So it's not like super spoilery, but it is like a bit spoilery. Um, So what I'll do is I will just say the names of the dramas that Lorna is going to be talking about before I start reading out her sections. So the first one is Remember War of the Sun. So remember, War of the Sun is a twenty episode. It reckons it's a thriller. I heard it was mellow. I don't really know. I haven't seen it, and it's twenty episodes. And remember, War of the Sun stars the actor Yoo Sung Ho and also Park Min Young. So oh, Anem Gong Min, and yeah, lots of people I recognise. Huh. All right. So I was glad that I read about this terrible ending. <laughs> Um, so there's spoilers for that. That's Remember, War of the Sun. Also spoilers for Melancholia. So Melancholia is a K-drama of 16 episodes, kind of a romance mellow, I guess, um, which came out in late 2021. And this one stars Im Soo-jong and also Lee Do-hyun. Uh, And then finally, I'm just going to read it out um, along with this. Uh, Lorna also talks about 2521, as do some other people on the podcast. Um, And this one, 2521, is a romance kind of coming of age drama. 16 episodes from 2022. All right. So now I'm going to go through and read what Lorna says. Thank you, Lorna. Uh, there are, (laughs) we'll see how I go. (laughs) Oh, that was a bad start. There are, no, that's not the, sorry guys. I'm having trouble reading all of a sudden. Okay. No, I can do this. I totally can do this. There are a handful of dramas that I've invested a lot of time in and found myself so frustrated by the ending. I'll just talk about two in particular here. Remember War of the Sun and Melancholia. That's because uh, Lorna talks about 2521 in a a separate section that she sent me, but I'm just going to read that out altogether because I think that's fine. Um, So Lorna says, I was excited to watch Remember, War of the Sun because I loved the male lead Yoo Sung ho in I Am Not a Robot, which, by the way, had a fantastic ending. (laughs) And his co-star in Remember is Park Min-young. All her dramas are lovely with great romance scenes and happy endings, right? Well, No. (laughs) Remember, which is from 2015, is a long, well-crafted, heartfelt drama about a lawyer seeking revenge for his father. And his revenge arc does have a somewhat satisfying conclusion. But the drama under-delivers on both any romance and, setting that aside, it has truly the most unnecessarily depressing and unsatisfying ending possible. (laughs) So... Lorna says, the lesson I learned is that when my drama list doesn't include romance as one of the genres, even if the stills feature the characters as together, the drama really isn't going to deliver on the romance. That is a great tip. So Lorna says, I also invested many long hours in the 2021 drama, Melancholia. It had a very interesting plot about the inner machinations, machinations, (laughs) Hmm, of an exclusive high school in Seoul. The crux of the drama is a genius male student and his deep love for and growing connection with his female math instructor and the repercussions of their connection with each other. The actor, Ido Han does a great job of portraying his character's aching and longing for his mentor, particularly as the actress, Im Su Dong from Search WWW, is a little stiff in her role but they make high-level math very interesting and almost sexy. Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> um, math is not sexy to me. That makes me very interested to watch it. Um Lorna also says, and the plot is good. In the drama, you wait patiently for 15 plus hours for him to become an adult so they can act on their emotions and all you get is 15 seconds in the final scene of them holding hands. Oh my gosh. Um, I am always baffled by the Korean dramas that spend hours and hours on a slow burn and then are stingy about any payoff, a real kiss, a hint of a bedroom scene, a proposal or actual wedding. It's probably my only general complaint with the genre. I love the slow burn, but I like it best when there is an actual payoff in the end, like in Healer or Secretary Kim or Fight for My Way. Oh my gosh, I totally agree with that. Uh, So then Lana... Finally says, but the K-dramas I have truly been disappointed in are few and far between and my total now stands at 80. Watch. Oh, congratulations. 80. That's a good number. Um, overall, the genre has brought me so much joy over the past year. Best wishes, everybody. But also, Lorna's not gone <laughs> and she's uh, going to weigh in now on twenty-five twenty-one. right, so full spoilers. It's not that I always need a happy ending. Although quite honestly, I do prefer when our OTPs end up together. Me too. Real life is disappointing enough. I look to dramas for some joy. <laughs> I like that. Uh, my issue with this ending is that Hido and Becky Jin broke up because she felt she deserved a partner who would put her first and be home and be actively involved in their family life. But we learn that whoever she now married to, a husband, He's none of those things. He lives abroad for months at a time and has no idea what their daughter is into right now. And present day, Hido seems sad in her scenes and seems to have lost touch with her friends, as at the funeral, they don't even seem to know she has a child. This drama was set to be my number one, but the ending was so unfulfilling that I don't think I will even rewatch it. If the ending had showed Hido with a happy family life, made possible by all she'd learned from her relationship with Becky Jin, I would have been okay with it. But we didn't even get that. Oh my gosh, the stuff that I keep seeing like online about, about this one. I actually haven't watched it and am unsure if I will after reading all this. Thank you so much, Lorna. Thank you so much for sending in this. Um, I'm really, really grateful for your time in writing it up and very excited to share it with all the listeners on the podcast. Thank you.
3: Hello Evie and podcast listeners, I hope everyone's doing well wherever they are and as always I'm so chuffed to be able to share some K-drama thoughts with you all Um, and this one is even more special as we know that there's going to be a little pause while uh, Evie takes a well earned rest which she very much deserves and I just wanted to say a heartfelt thank you to you Evie for creating this K-drama community and being its heart and soul. You are the best Uh, so enjoy your time off. (laughs) Okay, so I have to say, I'm really quite uh, loving this guest gabble topic. Uh, there's nothing like the chance to have a good rant about disappointing endings. Uh, so I was quite, quite happy to uh, talk about this topic. And uh, I'll just give you a little heads up warning that I might get a little bit passionate about this. Um, but I'm sure that you can probably all relate to that. Because there's really, it's just so heartbreaking when you have really loved every moment of a drama, and then the damned ending lets you down so much that you can't ever recover. You just wish that you could erase it and rewrite it into what you hoped it would be. That's how I feel anyway. So there are a couple that spring to mind, and I might just jump in with them because there's a lot to say, and I'll probably be here all day. So the first one is the one that I probably had the strongest response to, like, hated, hated, hated the ending so much. And honestly, I'm not over it yet. I'm, I'm more over it than I was just after I saw it, but definitely still hate it. Um, okay. So the drama is called Yumi's Cells. Uh, it is 14 episodes and it was made in 2021 and it stars Kim Goon as Yumi and Ahn Bo-hyun as Woong. It's a romantic drama, my favorite genre, and it does romance so well so well, like one of the best I've ever seen. Um, And it also introduces this really cute, very new, very different style uh, because it incorporates animated sequences with the live action stuff. And in the animated sequences, we get to see Yumi's cells. And so cells, I guess, are are parts of her, parts of her mind um, that control her thoughts and actions. They have their own little village inside her head and the cells have to not only help Yumi navigate life, but they also have to kind of negotiate with each other and their competing desires and demands. And so we kind of move from sequences in the village to the, the live-action stuff with what Yumi's doing and how she's being impacted by what the cells are doing, which is really cute. Um, it's a really clever idea. It reminds me a lot of the Pixar movie Inside Out, which is one of my favourites. Um, but I think it goes even further than that. It's... um. Yeah, re it's really good. It's really clever. The writing is so good, um, and that that interplay between the animated sequences in the cells village and then the live action stuff in Yumi's life. I think it's done so well. It's woven together so well. It's just like okay, that the words that I'd probably use to describe it is that it's it's heartfelt. It's very relatable. Um, you know we've all felt. Well, I have felt <laughs> and thought the things that Yumi has felt or that Yumi feels and experiences. It's thought-provoking. It's sweet. It's so sweet. Swoony, sweet, lovely. It's just downright delightful. Um, and the soundtrack, I loved. it. It is to die for. I, I downloaded almost all of the songs. Um, I loved almost all of the songs. I mean, there's there's always one or two that you're like, meh, take that or leave it. But, oh, gosh, this was a high success rate for me. I really like the style of music uh, and the songs. Um, one of the artists, John Park... Um, who I loved, who apparently is actually uh, raised in the U.S. but is now a, a K-pop performer Um, after he was on American Idol in the U.S. Anyway, he's excellent. He's really good. Love his music. Um, okay, so the setup of the drama is that Yumi uh, is just works in an office. I think she's like an accountant or something. Uh, and she's unlucky in love. Uh, we know at the start of the drama that she's had one bad breakup in her past, uh, her ex cheated on her and dumped her in a very unkind way, and she's not been in a relationship since then. So Yumi's cells have really banded together to try to protect her, and um, the, the way that this breakup has affected her is that her love cell um has been in a coma, basically has not been able to wake up since the bad breakup. And the love cell is kind of the prime cell. She's the prime driver of for Yumi. And she's asleep or she's in a coma. And so the other cells have to sort of step forward to, to help her. And so some of the, the cells are characters like reason, um, emotion, and then there are some cells that are just there for pure comedy gold, which I loved, like hunger, um, that's always trying to make her eat stuff and and like grows giant when it's really really wanting to eat something and stomps around like a little toddler that's not getting its way and um really funny. It's done really well and then um the naughty cell which is essentially uh, a lust you know cell oh it's super cute. Um it's it's a really good giggle. Um, I loved it. I loved it so much. I loved all those characters. Um, so back to the sort of live action sequence in Yumi's story. So at the start of the story, we see that she's kind of got a bit of a crush on one of her work colleagues and she thinks, um, cause he's been quite friendly towards her that maybe he returns her feelings and, you know, they go on what she thinks is a date. Um, and she thinks he's about to ask her out and then, uh, essentially discovers or he tells her that in fact, he's gay, um, And what he actually wanted to do was set her up with his friend because she thinks they'd be, he thinks they'd be a really good match. Um, So she's really disappointed, poor love, because she's, you know, just like this is what she really was hoping for. And then, oh, you know, she just falls flat. So she But she goes on the blind date because she's nice and even though she thinks it's going to be a bust. um, And, you know, she meets the guy she's been set up with, Wong, and look, you know, he turns up in thongs and shorts and a really daggy T-shirt and this sort of, you know, Unshaven bit of you know weird um beard fluffy beard thing that's not very attractive, um, and so she's like you know her first impression of him is not very good. Um, but he, on the other hand, is it's like he's been struck by lightning. He's like rendered completely speechless, and there's a very cute, uh, interchange where she's like, hello, hello. Um, uh, you know, well, should we go and have a coffee? Okay. Uh, do you actually speak? Um, okay, well maybe we should go. Uh, go. And then finally he speaks and, oh my God, you know, um, but it's super awkward. Uh, it's a super awkward date. And he just says the most embarrassing, dumb things, um, throughout the date. And so it could not have gone worse, basically this, this, um, date. But he really is very interested in her, so he starts to really pursue her. And um, and that's at the point that we meet Wong's cells and we go to his village. And I loved that so much uh, because you get to see the characters – Outer behaviors as in like the characters like wong and yumi you get to see you know in there in the live action sequences you know how they're behaving but also we get to see their inner worlds their inner thoughts what their motivations are what's driving them um so anyway wong pursues her um his way of pursu- pursuing her this was so sweet i loved this so much his love cell goes undercover and enters into her village um there's a there's a sort of reasoning behind how it is that, that the cells can go and visit each other. Anyway, he 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 goes dressed as a little frog. Oh, it's so cute! Um, and you know, he's just like helping all of her cells, and he's just really patient and gentle. And and basically, he sort of heals her heart, and he actually brings her love cell back from the brink of death and her love cell wakes up. Um, and the sequence is just so beautiful and you get to see them spending time together and her slowly melting and, and you know, learning to trust again, learning to love again. It's just so romantic, so sweet. I, I, I think it, it honestly made me giddy. It was just... Ah, it was beautiful. Um, I could not have loved it more. Um, So the the romance, it just begins so beautifully. You know, there's lots of roadblocks and will they, won't they, and other silly characters that interfere and all this sort of stuff. But, um, you know, I was just so there for this relationship. And, and, you know, I thought, okay, you know, this is is how it's going to work. You know, they're going to have a few roadblocks and then basically uh, it's a romantic comedy. So, of course, they will end up together. And here is where my heart broke. Because no. Oh dear God, no, they don't end up together. So it gets set up with their relationship starting to have problems. Um, there's just totally stupid things which were so annoying. Things like Wong being too proud to tell her that his business is failing he sort of nobly steps back from the relationship because otherwise he thinks he'd be a burden to her he doesn't want to accept help from her he just doesn't talk like she asks him questions and he says nothing it's so infuriating and so you just like ah yelling at the TV what the hell you know you know how much they love each other why is this happening why won't he speak up why won't he say what's really on his mind but even alongside this she like okay it's all right this is just setting up the tension because they're gonna get together it's all good you know in the last episode, we're going to get the reunion. So I've waited very excitedly for the last episode. I started watching it and it's going on. They're still not back together. Still not back together. There's no reunion. It's almost finished. There's like literally two minutes to go. I'm like, what the hell? Maybe there's another episode or something. They're not back together. And then in the dying minutes of the show, Wung breaks up with her. That's the ending. And they walk away from each other. What the hell? I, I think I... I probably yelled <laughs> at that moment. I probably slammed a few doors uh, when I watched this absolute travesty of an ending. Oh, my God. I've never been so disappointed that such a beautiful, perfect, engaging drama that had just captured my heart could just throw me under the emotional bus. Like, why? Why? <laughs> I'm getting steamed up now, if you can't tell, just thinking about it. <sighs> okay. Okay. Look, in defence of the show, and I've had some time to calm down since then, I think uh, it ended sort of in the second half of last year. And I did a bit of looking into it. So it's actually based on a webtoon. And the webtoon has something like 512 episodes. So it covers a lot of territory. And in the course of the webtoon, um, the Yumi sort of has... Um, Several boyfriends, I believe, Um, and you know we go through the sequence of each one, and so the show is planned to have more seasons. In fact, season two is is due to be released, I think, in June of this year. Um, And look, I'll probably watch it to be honest, because the show is just so darn cute. Um, But I think I'm just gonna have to prepare myself mentally for the possibility that there's not gonna be a romantic ending that's gonna satisfy me, which is a real bummer. Um, And in my quick little bit of research on the webtoon um and what that how that ends because that has now finished um so i think the ending is that yumi realizes that she doesn't need a man to be happy Ugh. i mean yes that's great and it's also true it's a really good message actually but i don't want to see that in a romance drama i just i want sweet and swoony i want a happy ending i want the fantasy ah, so um, everything sets it up to be like that. And then it doesn't give you that. It gives you sort of reality at the end, which is meh. anyway, I also really loved Wong. I, um, I love the actor that plays him. I love their romance, um, when it was good. And I just wanted them to be together. I really wanted them to be together. Oh, well, but unless they decide to change the webtoon story, I have to accept that they're not going to be together. I think in the second season there will be another guy. Um, So, yeah, this drama just literally lifted me up only to throw me down and stomp all over my emotions. Um, I think maybe I would have coped better if I'd known ahead of time that there there were going to be multiple seasons and other boyfriends. Uh, But I, I was expecting that it was a typical one season format with a satisfying ending and I didn't get that and it broke my heart. So, yeah, I feel conflicted because I think that everyone should watch this show because it's so great, except for that ending. It's so unique Up until that last episode, every episode is really pure joy. There's just so many great moments. I really fell hard for this show. I just couldn't wait for each new episode. I thought about it when I wasn't watching it. I chuckled over the funny bits and I relived the Sweeney moments in my head. It's just, it's so worth watching. But then that damned ending. um, No, maybe if you haven't seen it and you do decide to watch it despite my ranting, Maybe you won't feel quite as let down as I did because you'll know what's coming. I mean, I wonder whether if I knew what was coming it would have been as bad. Um, Maybe you won't get so attached to the character of Wong so that your heart won't be ripped into a million shreds when he walks away from Yumi. I don't know. I'm curious to know whether that would change the experience. So, hmm, should you watch it? Well, I'm very likely going to watch season two, so I think yes, but just don't expect a happy ending. Be prepared and then it might not be so bad. All right, I've ranted enough about Yumi cells and my broken heart. The next drama that had an ending that left me scratching my head and yelling at the TV was Dodo Sol Soul La La Sol which I know Evie has done an episode about, and I know she talked about how much she hated the ending too. But I'm just going to have to add my voice to this because this one was bonkers. I just didn't get it at all. Um, So you probably already know Dodo Sol Sol La La Sol is a 16-episode romantic comedy. I mean, do we still call it a comedy with that whack ending? I don't know. Anyway, it stars Go Ara and Lee J. Wook in the lead roles of Ra Ra and June. Um, so the basic story is this Rara is a pianist. Her life suddenly takes a turn for the worse after the sudden and unexpected death of her father and the loss of her fortune. So she moves to this little country town just on a whim and she has to rebuild her life and she becomes a piano teacher. She develops these beautiful, warm, caring relationships with the people around her. Um, and particularly with June, who's a young man who's living there with whom she falls in love, right? And, you know, there's the typical obstacles on the long along the way. One of them was another one that drove me mental, which is that she actually found out he's a high school student. Like, she thinks all the way along while they're falling in love he's, he's 24 like she is. And then, no, apparently not. He's in high school. He's like 18 or 19. Um, so I didn't love that twist. I was like, I could have done without that. I uh, don't know why that was there. That was annoying. Um, but I coped. It's like, okay, I'm going to vibe with that. I'm going to roll with it. It's all good. I was still there. Still liking the show. But then the ending. I mean, dear God, the ending. I mean this is the case of what the hell were those writers thinking seriously I mean who who could possibly have thought this was a good idea I really do not understand Okay so in case you don't know um in the uh probably like the second last episode of the show I guess um we find out that June has cancer Oh, bummer. Okay, we've had this lovely, sweet, heartwarming romantic comedy and then let's give the leading man cancer. Awesome. Um, He doesn't tell her that he's got cancer and he moves away to get treatment and she thinks he's just off at uni, like, you know, studying overseas at uni. um, And then he dies. Yes, he dies without ever seeing her again. So this lovely, warm little romance suddenly turns into a horrible tragedy out of nowhere did not see this coming and why why is this happening is this like this is not the genre it was not a tragedy it was a romantic comedy I was promised a romantic comedy okay so but then if that wasn't bad enough okay this is the this is really the oh my god this bit is the worst the show jumps ahead five years and guess what June comes back turns out he wasn't dead so he let the love of his life believe that he had died because apparently he thought that was better for her than being honest and just allowing her to support him through his cancer treatment. But then after he arranges, he arranges for her to be told of his death, he actually recovers. And then after some more time, don't know why the more time, don't know why it was five years, but there you go, um, he comes back looking healthy and well. He just rocks up, just shows up, just walks in the door. And so she's been grieving for five years he let her suffer for five years five years that's a really long time she thinks he's a ghost right because who wouldn't because he she's been told he died right and then here it is he just laughs and says oh don't be silly it's really me he kisses her and then apparently everything is okay again what the hell I wanted to kill him dead all over again I hated him so much for doing this to her. How could I be happy with their reunion when he was such an asshole and he made her suffer for no good reason? And how could I believe that she would just be instantly okay with that he just has to kiss her and oh okay darling no worries? I would not be okay with it. I I would be happy he was alive, of course, but then I would be so utterly furious. I don't know if I could ever forgive him. What a gross breach of trust. What kind of foundation for a relationship is this? Yuck. I could not have hated this ending more. Honestly, I think it basically ruins the show. And I would say with this show, not worth watching because that ending really, really irreparably ruined it. So, yeah. Um, Yeah, I was not happy with that one. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Um the last one I'm going to mention might be a bit of a contentious one because I know it's quite a beloved drama and I did enjoy it throughout most of the drama I have to say. Um I didn't love the ending but I don't feel so crazy mad as I do about the two that I've just talked about. Um I don't think that this ending, which I didn't like, ruined the drama. Um, It ruined it a little bit for me. It tainted it. It tarnished it, shall we say. Um, But I think, I I feel like it's maybe a bit of a personal thing. Um, All right, so I'm going to keep you in suspense any longer. The drama is called Goblin. Uh, I'm sure many of you know who it is. It's super famous. Um, It's super beloved. Uh, I'm sure you probably know the the plot. So I won't talk about it in great detail because it's a very complicated plot as well. But I'll try and very briefly summarize it. Um, The main sort of central relationship anyway, there's another relationship in there as well, which has its own storyline, which I won't talk about because that one was, I was okay with that one. Um, okay. So here it is. The goblin, um, he was once a man, uh, I think in the Goyo dynasty time, like he's like from a thousand years ago. Um, he died obviously and became a spiritual being a goblin, um, after he died and he is cursed to live eternally, um, I can't even remember why he's cursed, why this poor warrior um, is cursed. But anyway, he is. Um, And so he has this spiritual sword that's impaling him, sort of impaling his soul. No one can see it. So it's not like he's walking around with a great dirty sword poking out of his chest. Um, But um, the the only person who's meant to be able to see it is the woman who's destined to be his bride. So this woman who's destined to be his bride, her job is to pull out the sword The spiritual sword and thus finally end his life and his suffering, which you know is a setup. It's not really a good deal for the bride, right? Meet the goblin, fall in love, pull out the sword that only you can see, and watch him crumble to dust and disappear forever, and then grieve for the rest of your life. Not particularly fair. Um, Okay, so. Initially when uh the the bride turns up, she's our female lead, um she meets the goblin who's nine hundred years old at this point in time, but he looks like a man in his mid to late thirties. And um she's about eighteen or nineteen, she's a schoolgirl. And the actress Kim Gowen She looks super young in this, super, super young. She looks and acts way younger than 18 or 19. She's like quite cutesy and sweet. She feels about 12 to me. So watching this budding romance develop between an adolescent and a man in his mid to late 30s feels a bit uncomfortable. So I couldn't really connect with the romance for a long time. Um, Fortunately, the show uses a sort of a time jump to progress her age so that she's then in her late 20s. And then she's therefore much closer to his mid to late 30s appearance so that before the romance really takes off, they're closer in age. Uh, before things get physical, they're closer in age, which felt much more comfortable. I was very glad that they did that. Um. When she learns about her cursed fate uh, after lots of, you know, machinations, eventually she decides to save him from his curse despite what it will cost her. And it's so sad. Oh, my gosh. I literally cried heaving sobs. I was, by then, totally invested in the relationship. I thought they did a really great job. Um, even though it started slow, I got there in the end. Um, after he disappears, she loses her memory of him. Um, But it turns out he's not actually gone. And this is the part I was confused about. I don't know whether I missed something in my understanding or in reading the subs or something. I'm not quite sure because he, he was supposed to disappear, cease to exist. But he sort of ends up like lost in the desert, wandering around, trying to get out. I think if I'm interpreting it correctly... The reason is because of his love for her and that's what connected him to the living world and that's why he couldn't just disappear. But that's a really super romantic idea, actually. I think that's my interpretation. I'm not sure. I'm sure there's maybe there's another reason that I missed, but um, that's what I think leads him to stay in existence and eventually make his way back to the human world. So he makes his way back to her. He very slowly, gently reconnects with her. Uh, in the hopes that her memory will return. It's really sweet. It's really lovely. Um, He's very patient. Um, She's very confused because she can feel something, you know, she can feel something, but she can't make sense of what it is. She's just sad a lot. She doesn't know why she's sad a lot. Anyway, she finally gets her memory back. They fall in love all over again. And you think, ah, buckle in for a beautiful ending. Finally, after everything they go through, which is a lot, they will get a happy ending. (sighs) But no. Apparently she's cursed too because the Goblin saved her mother's and her life when she was still in her mother's womb. So she was never meant to be born. And because of that, she's destined to die three times. So three times she will get to meet and fall in love with Goblin and then get killed. Not a great deal for her or him, really. Um, I can't honestly remember if the deal is that they'll eventually be together. Like, that, you know, like, will he die and she die and they get to go to the afterlife together? Finally, I don't know. Um... But there's, you know, there's still this sticky little problem of his being immortal and her not being immortal, her being mortal and plus cursed. Um, It's going to make a happy ending pretty difficult. Anyway, I could set that aside. I could live in the moment of their relationship. I was just like, I'm just going to enjoy it. I'm just going to enjoy them finally being together. I was, you know, I was hopefully going to see some happy years in this life before she had to die, right? Wrong. Just as they're on the brink of a life together, she sacrifices herself to save a busload of children and she dies. I mean, it's a noble thing to do. Definitely didn't want the children to die. But as viewers, we'd been through such a lot to get to that point, and we couldn't even enjoy it for five minutes. (sighs) So the very end, which was a sort of an epilogue scene, gives us a glimpse of her next life when they get to meet again. And dear God, she's a schoolgirl again. Why? Why must we go back to that uncomfortable feeling again of this mid to late 30s man falling in love with the school girl, this little girl? It just honestly feels kind of gross. I really did not like it. I liked the sense that they were being reunited. I liked the fact that she'd retained her memories of him. Like she didn't drink the oblivion tea when she was passing into the afterlife so that she would remember him, which I liked. I liked that. They didn't have to start from scratch again. And so I realized that her, her soul was not, you know, this little schoolgirl, but she looked like a little schoolgirl. So I just didn't want to go back to that first uncomfortable incarnation of their relationship with that creepy age gap. Um... And I've been thinking about it a lot. I was really comparing it to my response to another supernatural drama that I adored, which is a Korean odyssey. I, I, I'll be honest, I didn't love the ending of that one either, um because in that one, the lead female also dies in a very tragic and heartbreaking way that made me you know a heartbreaking way that made me like cry ugly tears. but I, I could live with it. Um, I, I thought it was beautiful, I thought it was beautifully done, and I could live with the promise that the immortal, male character, Sonogong, the monkey god, that he was going to go to the underworld and get her out. I felt confident that they were going to be reunited. I just wished that I got to see that part. I wanted to see that part, but it, it gets set up that that's what's going to happen. So I could feel some satisfaction. So I, I was asking myself, like, why was that tragic ending okay-ish for me in a Korean Odyssey, but not so much the tragic ending of Goblin? Both of them had the promise of the couple being together again. I'm, I'm not quite sure what why the Goblin storyline just didn't do it for me, and I think I've had to conclude that it's the age gap problem. I think that's what it was. And that's obviously a me thing because the drama is super popular. So many people adore it. So other people, you know, were not, obviously people weren't universally uncomfortable with it, just me, I think. So that's why I say the ending, it didn't ruin the drama. I still think it's very worth watching. The cinematography is incredible. It's beautiful. It's beautifully shot, beautifully filmed. Um, The other plot lines are really enjoyable as well and engaging. There's lots of great things about it. I love supernatural dramas. I love all the lore and trying to understand the world and the rules of the world. Um, But yeah, the central romance just ruined it a little bit for me. So Anyway, I'm going to stop now because I have been ranting on for way too long and I'm sure that you've all fallen asleep by now, so please forgive me. Um, And I look forward to hearing everybody else's ranting. Until next time, bye, everybody.
4: Hello, my name is Delaney and I'm very excited to appear on this guest gavel since I've only recently discovered Evie's wonderful podcast. I watched my first K-drama in October, and I'm on number 82 at the moment. Before I get really deep into it, I wanted to say that besides the show Run On, I did not regret watching any of these shows. They were a bit of a hard pill to swallow, but I didn't necessarily hate any of them, and besides the ending, I did enjoy the show. The K-dramas that I'm going to be talking about today are Love Alarm, Run On, Start Up, Now We Are Breaking Up, and Moon Lovers. Love Alarm. I have quite the relationship with this show. This was my first ever K-drama. I'd seen some clips from a YouTube K-drama on TikTok and got so into it that I went to YouTube to watch all that was there until I decided to just go on Netflix and choose a K-drama to watch. This was that drama. This was just the biggest disappointment of a drama for me. I was absolutely obsessed with it as I was watching it. I thought I loved the show so much. And then during the second half, the second male lead was turning into the actual male lead, and I was so freaking pissed. Throughout the show, I was absolutely just swooning over the male lead played by actor Song Kang. Song Kang was my first K drama crush, and I was so upset when he was crying and miserable for something that he didn't really have control over. He was just so good and cute and did nothing wrong, but got his heart ripped to bits. I was so caught up in their relationship from the beginning of the show that when they switched up the guys, I was not having any of it. I guess I just fell for Song Kang's character so much that I couldn't overlook it and was really hoping that they'd get back together up to the last episode. It wasn't until I had seen many more dramas that I really started to dislike this one. After I watched this show, though, I was so upset that the second drama I ever watched was Nevertheless, so I got to see Song Kang have a happy ending as the male lead. Next is the show Run On. This is the only show I've watched that I actually hate. I, like many of you, watch these shows for the romance. Personally, this is the only genre I stick to. So when the male lead shows absolutely no emotion in terms of love and passion and such, it kills the show. I remember finishing the show and just being so disappointed that I had found a K-drama I wish I'd never watched. Even when I have to power through the last few episodes of a drama, I've never thought of it as a complete waste of time like I did for this one. I felt like the male lead had barely any personality and was expressionless and emotionless throughout the show. That could be how his character was supposed to be, but I enjoy seeing micro-expressions from my male leads and being able to see what they're thinking at times. The male lead in this being a singer-slash-actor named Siwan. I haven't seen him in any of his other works besides a minor role in The Moon Embracing the Sun, so I can't really say it's him as an actor that I disliked, so instead, I'm going to place the blame on his character. (laughs) The female lead in this is actress Sin Se-kyung. I don't remember liking her character, but I liked her as an actress because when I watched her as the female lead in The Bride of Haibak, or The Bride of the Water God I think it's called now... um, I didn't even know that she was from the show Run On until I looked it up. Uh, so this is the end of my bashing on the show Run On. I would not recommend it. Startup. All of the other shows that I watched, for the most part, I'm happy with the order that I saw them in, in terms of which actors I saw in what show was first. But this show, I saw absolutely at the wrong time. I watched the show because I had recently seen the drama Hometown Cha 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 and been introduced to the actor Kim Seon Ho, who plays the male lead in Hometown Cha Cha Cha. I was not ready to see him as a second male lead. In the show's startup, we are introduced to Kim Seon Ho's character first, and he's given quite the comfortable male lead-style backstory. I was so excited thinking, yes, he is for sure the male lead. And then, out of nowhere, this nerdy dude pops out and starts getting in the way of things. The nerdy dude being our lead actor, Namjoo Hyuk. I say I saw the show at the wrong time because this was the first time I had seen Nam Namjoo Hyuk on screen, and I did not like him. Of course, now I've seen weightlifting fairy Joo, Bride of Haybok, Who Are You, etc., but... When I was first introduced to him as an actor, and as the male lead, no less, I was already too fixated on the second male lead actor, Kim son ho I don't know if it's just because of Kim son hos character's backstory and history with the female lead, or just because I liked him as an actor, but throughout the show, I felt like he was really faded with the female lead, in that the actual male lead, played by Nam-joo Hyuk, was just getting in their way annoyingly so I never properly felt the romance and then they did a time jump thing for the end so we just went a few years or whatnot into the future which is not my favorite thing at the end of the show most of the shows I'm talking about today actually have that as the ending as part of it um it was also quite disappointing to see the main characters split away from each other, and then the female lead essentially caving in to her sister, which she tried so hard not to do for the entire show. And then, just when I think, about the, sec- just when I think the second male lead is going to finally properly ask her out and all, Nam Joo Hyuk pops back on screen and into their lives. I did enjoy that, though I did enjoy the way they outsmarted the hacker twins and how cool they got to be at the end, and all of the actors were really great in this drama. I think if I had watched it a month later, I wouldn't have been so upset, but although the ending was alright, it wasn't satisfying enough for me to get over my second male lead syndrome. All in all, it it was hard to swallow, but I do not regret watching this one. Now for the show now we are breaking up. This drama was so frustrating to watch. So for most of the show, they were technically a couple. But the entire time, there were all these stupid things that kept getting in the way to the point where it felt dragged out. The title of the show is actually quite good because it felt like they were in the middle of a breakup throughout the entire show. And I am so not into that. Uh, Now, before I talk about the end, I just wanted to real briefly talk about the main characters. This was my first Jan Ki Yong drama. He is the male lead, and even though I didn't like the show, he was just sex on a stick. That's the only way I could think to describe him. He is such a good actor and has such broad shoulders, and I recommend watching some of his other dramas. He was especially cute as the gimme-ho in My Roommate is a Gimme-ho. The lead actress in this was Song Hye Kyo. I thought she was pretty good, very beautiful, but I haven't seen her in anything else. From my Google search, it seems like she's mostly been in older shows, but there are a few recent ones like Descendants of the Sun, which is currently on my watch list. Okay, it's time for the ending. Uh, If you couldn't guess, they did break up, which by that point in the show, I had given up on their relationship too. But then they just went and did this awful time jump thing. So it's however many years in the future, and everyone just had to move on. Then our two main characters run into each other on a sidewalk next to the ocean and just make eye contact for an uncomfortable amount of time. And after a light, like, small talk type of conversation, the entire show ends Them just making more eye contact and smiling, and it all felt quite uncomfortable and very unsatisfying. I don't necessarily regret watching the show, probably because of uh, Zhang Ki-yong, but I would absolutely never recommend it. Uh, And that is all for Now We Are Breaking Up. Moon Lovers. This show I want to start off by saying that I very thoroughly enjoyed. It's the only show to date I had to watch through one of those one, two, three movie type sites, but it was totally worth it. Some of my favorite things to see in dramas are in this, like the time slip element, the historical details, and the way that most of the princes just fell in love with her. But the end was extremely sad, and I really just wanted a few more scenes about what happens next. Our female lead, played by Ayu, Dies in the arms of a friend, but not her love, who she longed for up until her death. And only after she had died did the male lead realize she had been writing to him and longing for him and now he's just left heartbroken and devastated by how he treated her. After seeing her die in the historical period, it was relieving to see her come back in real time living normally but the fact that she didn't remember anything was quite the bummer. And then, when she does realize it is touching, but we only really get a few clips of that. And the last scene of the show is burned into my brain because our male lead, played by Lee Jong-gi, is told after the female lead's death to really think hard about how odd she was and to consider that she was not from their world. The very last scene is Lee Jong-gi looking quite determined and saying he will find the female lead wherever she is. The first thing I wish they had including in the ending was a follow-up to Lee Jong-gi's character saying these words. It just made me feel like I hadn't gotten closure for the show, almost like when a movie ends on a cliffhanger because there's supposed to be a sequel. This being said, I did enjoy how much IU's character made him into a better person and changed a piece of history. On the other hand, though, <laughs> she didn't seem to have the many practical skills or knowledge that someone from modern times would apply in such a situation. She made soap and makeup, which was cool, but she didn't have the sense to not hug people and things like that. The second male lead in the show is one of my favorite K-drama guys, Kang Ha Noor. Second male lead syndrome in this drama hit hard, and I felt like he developed much more of a connection to Ayu's character than the male lead did. The way they drifted apart and the way Kang Hanul's character ended was just very sad. Anytime he was hurt emotionally, he was just so pitiable and had this just defeated, heartbroken look and was never able to just be happy, which was really hard to watch because. Even though he does get a bit too power-hungry, he's also a character that I felt just deserved to be happy. Something about this drama that makes it amazing and awful is how attractive the cast is. Not only are they all gorgeous, but the princes are so sweet and have such this just great bond with each other. This is an awful thing, of course, because of how many of them die. Sad, heart-wrenching, brutal historical deaths, and the ones that didn't die just did not have the same brotherly relationship that was so fun to see on screen. Whenever I cry because of a drama, I know it's really good because I, it was able to bring out that much emotion, and this is the only show I cried so much for that I had to watch a rebound, light, fluffy show to calm down. According to the internet, there was actually a cutscene where our two main characters meet in real time, and if that's true, I really hope for it to one day be released. Overall, this is a sad, historical, but a must-see drama. The ending killed me, but if I could watch it for the first time again, I would. Similar to this show, I recommend the drama Splash Splash Love. It has very similar ideas with the whole time slip and falling for the king thing, but it's only two hours total, and for me, it has all of the elements that I wanted from Moon Lovers, including a satisfactory ending. Before I go, I just wanted to say some quick honorable mentions The dramas Revenge Note 2, Legend of the Blue Sea, and Love with Flaws. Thank you for listening to my rant, and I wish you all the best viewing experiences. Come away i
0: 'm young hi everyone, so it 's Evie again at the end of this uh podcast. that is what this is. I meant like you know at the end of everyone 's big rants, so my point is <laughs> that it is now my turn to rant about a drama that had an ending that so shocked me that I was really shocked. (laughs) How's that for (laughs) eloquent? Okay, so I have talked about this one before on my Patreon, uh, like, you know, Patreon podcast thing, which I call my waffle pod, uh, because I waffle on there a lot. I waffle here a lot as well, actually. Um, So anyway, my point is that the drama that I watched is a very old one. And as I mentioned on my waffle pod, uh. Because it's old, it's pretty crazy, but also I get that it was a very special drama, very moving uh, for a lot of people who have watched this one. So I guess what I'm trying to say is my super huge apologies if this drama is close to your heart. Um, And I did really enjoy it, but the ending was so insane that I nearly died. I think I just screamed at the TV and also my friend Lizzie, who watched it with me. We screamed at each other. Okay, let's go. So Sorry, I Love You is a 16 episode tragic, tragic, tragic melodrama from 2004. So this is like old school. And as you can imagine, a 2004 drama features a lot of 2004 fashion, which is interesting to say the least. Uh, it also, so this drama, it stars Soji Sub. Uh, and Im Soo Dong and also Jong gong Ho. Jong gong Ho is that one actor whose name I can just never seem to pronounce. Uh, so, obviously, a very famous cast, but they're all extremely young and baby faced in this. So, anyway, what happens in this drama is that Sochi Sob's character is kind of like a delinquent, orphaned bad boy living on the mean streets of Melbourne in Australia. And he's in love with this woman, and then this woman goes off and marries a gangster. And then Soji Sob, this is the start of the drama, by the way. This isn't the end. Um, he, he, I don't know. He gets shot in the head by an Australian gangster who's leaning against a eucalyptic tree, eucalyptus tree, yeah. Um, and then he also falls in love with this kind of like um, personal assistant of a very famous. Uh, pop star who happens to be in Melbourne at the time, and she's Korean, obviously. This is the actress uh, In Suto, and you know, he helps her out. It's all really tragic because he's just living such a crappy life, and then you know, he goes to Korea and they meet each other, but because he has this like Australian gangster bullet in his head. He only has so long to live. And then he like looks up his family members and they're kind of really mean and weird. And they like the mother son relationship that's going on is like, I don't know, it's pretty intense. I was a bit like, oh, I think are these guys going to kiss? They don't kiss. It's fine. It's not one of those kind of dramas. Anyway, the point of this long rant about the setup is that so our male lead and our female lead kind of I mean, they fall in love, uh, but it's, it's so, it's kind of like, it's, I really enjoyed this drama because it felt like going to like a, a drama history film school, but it's also slightly excruciating because just the stuff that happens to the male lead is so sad and it's so intense and it just piles on one thing after another, after another. And so him and the female lead can't really get their act together, but you're really rooting for them to figure their shit out. But you're also like, he's going to die. So you don't know, like I always knew the ending was going to be sad. Like I was very prepared for the fact that this was a tragic romance and that this couple were going to fall in love maybe, you know, have some happy times, and then he was going to die under really tragic circumstances. But what shocked the absolute fuck out of me, sorry, I'm swearing now, but like seriously, it really just like shocked me. So at the very end of the drama, they don't really get their act together. They've shared a couple of kisses, lots of angry stuff, and a few moments that are quite sweet. And then um, he sort of just... (sighs) he needs to give his brother his heart, you know, like the uh, stuff going on with his heart. Um, So he wants to transplant his heart into his brother because, you know, the main male lead's about to die. But then he just like kind of dies a bit sooner than you expect. And then instead of just like dying in the hospital with, you know, the people who love him around him holding his hand, which would have been heartbreaking enough, the male lead gets on a motorbike and then just drives until he dies from like, you know, he's just... I guess the bullet in his brain is causing nosebleeds and pains and he crashes and dies, which I was like, oh, that is fucking horrific. I was just so shocked. And then it skips forward a year and the female lead is so sad that she goes back to Melbourne, Australia to visit your main guy's, you know, her love who's dead's grave. And then she takes poison and she dies and that was and then then the drama just ends and i just like i freaked out i could not believe it i absolutely couldn't believe the ending i was so shocked um so yeah that was this drama um that i watched and i really enjoyed watching it i had a great experience watching this with my friends but I did not expect an ending like that. Just, I guess it's so, you know, and I know it's an older drama, so it's just operating on a whole different level to, I think, you know, modern, not just modern dramas, but modern stories, like modern stories and maybe the kind of stories that are okay to tell, which is like, you know, I don't think people sort of romanticize that sort of tragic Romeo and Juliet style love as much anymore. Maybe they do. I just don't know, anyway, I'm just rambling now, waffling, um, so I'm gonna stop, but yeah, that that was just the I think it's the craziest or just the most intensely unexpected, abrupt and shocking ending <laughs> that I've ever seen. I was so shocked, and that's you know coming from someone who was really prepping myself for sixteen hours for a really sad ending, and this was just beyond anything I could have imagined. So there you go. Full spoilers. Uh, So that was for Sorry, I Love You, 16 episode deeply mellow kind of tragic romance from 2004. Thanks for listening. Me, uh, us, all of us, all of the guests, everybody, to the very end of this week's episode. Thank you so very much for listening to this episode, which was so much fun for me just getting to hear. Man, ranting about K dramas is the funnest thing ever, and hearing other people rant about K dramas. Absolute heaven. It was wonderful. So I just want to say a huge, huge thank you to the special guests of this episode. Uh, And again, they were Vani, Dee, Catherine, Lorna, Lizzie and Delaney. Thank you all so very much for your time um, and for your rants. I loved listening to them. Thank you. Um, Of course, a huge thank you to everyone who listens to this podcast. Um, As I've said, this is, you know, my last for a little while as I'm going on a bit of a hiatus to have a big old rest uh, and just get back on top of my life (laughs) um and i just i guess i just want to say a huge thank you to everybody um for all your time listening to this. Um, some of you guys who are listening might be newer to the show, but I know there's a lot of people who've been listening for quite a while as well. Um, and thank you all so much. Um, I can't even quite describe what it means to me to have had so many people listening to me waffle on in the way that I do about K drama. And also, thank you for all the messages. Um, you know, I've had a lot of a lot of really really wonderful listeners talking to me saying that you know maybe my really weird show helped them in some way if they were going through some stuff as a lot of people have over the last bunch of years and If my show was able to give anyone joy at any point, that makes me extremely happy. So thank you all very, very much. And of course, just the biggest, biggest thank you to everyone who has been supporting the show on Patreon. That really meant a lot to me. And to be honest, um, it has kept me pushing through and and working on this on this show a lot longer than I think I might have managed. Um, just knowing that people cared about what I was doing really, really made a big difference. So thank you guys all so much for supporting the show. Um, all right. So this is the end of the episode. I'm going to go. Thank you again for listening uh, to this episode and all the episodes. Um, stay, stay, uh, stay safe. I nearly said stay safe. That's not a word. You can't say that. No. <laughs> stay safe. Look after yourself. Be kind to yourself. And... And watch heaps and heaps and heaps of K-drama. I hope you watch all of the best K-drama. All right. Goodbye, everybody. Thank you for listening. Bye.